0: Back to
1: troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hey, Squirrel. What are we talking about this week? Uh, This week, we are on part three of what we expect will be a three-part series, uh, talking about uh, what uh, Martin Fowler wrote up in his The State of Agile Software in 2018. Excellent. I've been waiting for this one. And I, and I know why, and people will find out soon. So what, in, this, the, in his um, State of Agile, he described what he saw as three problems, and we've talked about the first two. The first one was the agile industrial complex, um, and in particular the idea that there is a one best way of doing things, and that's an idea we have to fight against. The, the, the second problem, which is what we discussed last week, was uh, the lack of recognition of the importance of technical excellence to what we do. So we covered last week about our view on technical excellence. And this week we're talking about what uh, Fowler described as the third problem. And what he says he, he wanted to under, uh, stress the importance of getting rid of software projects as a notion. So he's saying and he said, we want to switch to a product oriented view of the world rather than a project oriented view of the world. And uh, I think Squirrel, this is why you're so excited because you have something to say on this topic.
0: I certainly do. Uh, I'm not quite sure I understand what he means by a product-oriented view. I think he kind of just doesn't go far enough. So I, I wish he was around so I could argue with him. But Martin, if you want to come on the podcast, let us know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm when I when I read it, I thought gee, this just says that we should organize our teams with products in mind and they, they can be kind of mini startups and they'll, they'll run for a long time on a uh, particular product. And that seems fine. I mean, that's, that's kind of feature teams, which I think we should talk about as well. But I, I think it's missing a lot because, in fact, what he argues for is the idea that we should talk to users more. And I think that's actually the much bigger and more important point. And of course, if you are organized around a project, you might be less likely to talk to users, but I have seen project-oriented teams that spend tons of time with users. And if you're in a product, then you are more naturally going to think about your users, perhaps. But he's somehow missed this crucial point that seems to me that uh, I'd be wanting to say "We we should be organizing around user conversations, which users are we, are we serving here? Which, uh, how, are, how are we going to converse with them and get the most feedback we can from them? What, what do you think about that, Jeffrey?
1: Well, I think it's an interesting question. I guess part of it is, is the question of what projects are you uh, dealing with? Um, I, I, one of the things that, uh, at Tim Group, for example, we will have and have had at different time various project teams, and those projects are all kind of related to the same product. Um, so it's, it's one of the things that what we mean in those times uh, really, I think, wouldn't be very different than what he'd imagine in a product-oriented view. Because uh, mm. what he says is he wants to organize around products, and but he says that really means organize around user conversations. So the question for me is, what's the contrast? I, I have had some experience with large IT organizations that do run in a pure project model. And I, if I put on that hat, I can imagine what he's saying, which is, you know, you have a pool of developers uh, or pool of, I, you know, to go even more than that, pool of quote unquote resources or several pools of resources. And every time you have a project, you simply treat it as though everyone is fungible and say, right, you know, we need a, we need a three front end developers. We need a database uh, admin. We, we need um, these, you know, different skill sets and we're gonna assemble people for this project. Regardless of what prior experience they've had, and it could be at anywhere within the scope of the IT organization.
0: And, and they'll be working on our assets, our, our various <laughs> tools that we have, our various pieces of software, and they should be able to work on any of them equally well. And even if no one's looked at this particular piece of software for five
1: years and it's really not working very well, they'll figure it out. That's right, and, and well, of course, we you know we we do have as a, a project was put forward. It probably had a cost benefit analysis uh, done on it, and uh, we have a timeline that we want it done by. And uh, good news, we have a specification. Which of course we had to have the specification to get this approved, and you know yada yada. So like you know, all right, people get on it. That what's the problem? We've, we've already <laughs> defined everything. It just all
0: you have to do is type. And by the way, we'll send you to typing class so you can type faster. You can imagine I'm I'm not very keen on any of this.
1: Right. So, so I, I think that's um, when, when he's thinking of a pure project organization, I imagine this is kind of the idea that he has is people who really have, have no affinity for the software they're working on and have just sort of been brought in as hired guns uh, to, to get something done. And getting away from that is 100% valuable. I'm I'm completely with him on
0: that. I'm not arguing with Martin that moving away from that would be really valuable. And that's a significant organizational change that would require a lot of difficult conversations and joint design and all all our favorite stuff to, to make happen it just doesn't go as far as you could. And I guess I'm just being a, a radical anarchist here, but I just really think that you could do more if you could get those people focused on users because you could just go as far as saying, okay, well, that asset, you know, okay, good. We'll we'll put a team in who, who kind of knows that particular piece of software and they'll work with it a bit more and we'll we'll have a little more thinking about what the, the product team should be and they, they'll work on a series of things with that. Isn't that enough? And my answer is no, because <laughs> you forgot about <laughs> frequent feedback and users and um, uh, iterating to, to get to value and lots of other things. So I, I think he's he's
1: he's not hitting it hard enough.
0: Turn up the volume, Martin.
1: Right. So I I think there's some cases where, where you agree, you just feel like he's not being um, uh, explicit enough. You know, Organizing around 100%. products just doesn't go far enough. Uh, yep,
0: Hillary Clinton and Bernie Bernie Sanders. You know, it's just like Hillary <laughs> just didn't didn't go far enough. Like get get the, the, the single payer healthcare. Anyway, sorry, I'll I'll get off my soapbox.
1: <laughs> but that's 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 the idea. So so it sounds like you're not really um, indiscriminate. You just you want you want it to do a little bit more strident, and that's that's interesting because I'll I'll say I, I had um my own qualms about it, but uh, slightly in, a, in a actually slightly different reason. You, you and I, uh, not Songer, longer, were talking about Wordly maps, uh, which is mm. something that we may come back to. And in, in, in general, in, in the, the documents uh, on the Wordly mapping, uh, he makes the case, which is very much in line with what Martin Fowler said earlier, which is there's not one way to do things. Wordly goes so far and he says, well, based on the life cycle, where you are in the life cycle, you may not want to be doing Agile. You might want to be doing Lean or Six Sigma, and um, you actually want different types of people. You, you want uh, what he calls either pioneers, settlers, or town planners. And, uh, and, and actually, this really resonated with me because we'd done something similar at Tim several years ago. Uh, we had adopted a similar metaphor, uh, which was uh, commando, infantry, and police. Which
0: goes all the way back to Robert X. Cringely, I believe, if I got it right, yep. uh, from the 1990s. So there's that's a long history here of this notion that you move from radical people who are willing to change everything quite uh, at the drop of the hat, and uh, then at the end of end stage, much more conservative. Um, less change-friendly people,
1: who for whom Six Sigma may be quite a good process. <laughs> That's right. So we we adopted this in in 2013, and you're right. We we'd done it after you know reference to um, the book Accidental Empires, is the one from Cringely, and I actually think it's an '89 that he wrote it, so it's even even longer ago than that. And uh, the idea that he lays out there, uh, Cringely lays out, he says, you know, different companies at different phases of their growth. Um, they they need a different mentality, and that the people who are often the the, the first wave in starting the tech companies in Silicon Valley uh, were all these sort of commando types, but that once you're fully scaled up, you know you, you uh, you're in the sort of police mode, and that and he goes this is that police and commandos can't work together, and I I had this in my head when I was um, reading uh, what Fowler wrote, he talked about uh, a product oriented view of the world. And if we take it back to the wordly map, what he says is, you know, your your product, you might have a single product, but it has all these different components. And those components themselves are at sort of different evolutionary states. So if you are um, uh, building mm, some software yeah. and one element is your new machine learning AI, blah, body blah, 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 you know, you're doing something very custom and you're going to d- deal with that differently than you do... In whatever you're using to render, uh, uh, you know HTML. Up, if you have some template language for that, or your if you if you're building landing pages for the marketing team and you want them to be
0: able to produce them through a CMS or something, that's 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 pretty well known. That's that's very the opposite
1: end. That's right, and hopefully even something like you know your your login is not uh, uh, as as custom <laughs> as your as your key feature that's, you know, got all the whizzy stuff to it. Mm-hmm. And so, if you have a, um, uh, I guess this is a question uh, that I kind of put on here. I'm kind of you know playing with the idea. Um, if we have a product oriented view of the world, sometimes you're going to be have, and you, you're working around user conversations. These conversations are going to cross over many different parts of your system. They're going to um, cross over. Uh, different components that are in different types of their life cycle, uh, different skill sets. So how do, you, how do you organize yourself around that?
0: That sounds like a good puzzle. Of course, my favorite solution is self-organization, and I'd like to be having that user conversation and sharing a lot of the information across the different teams that might be in uh, police mode or commando mode or uh, infantry mode. I'm not sure, though. I haven't encountered teams that have...
1: That broad a range of
0: life cycle states so far
1: have you jeffrey well i, I would say in, in in our case um it, we're a, a relatively small organization, but I would say we do um, have uh, elements of our uh, system that are you know are fairly different in in their technical approach, and maybe um how how well everyone understands that bit of technology. Um, which is not quite the same, but it, it has some some similar elements. Um, and and some of it, to be fair, was was written by me
0: back in two thousand two. <laughs> so it, it's definitely both old and pretty well understood these days. You were telling me how much we've learned since my day about the the type of software that Tim builds. So that, that's right. I'd, I'd say we've we've definitely got some that are at least headed toward town
1: planner state right the domain has 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 changed quite a lot um and so what we would do if i think about what if i look at how fowler described it you know if if uh, maybe it comes on this issue about projects and products um is is less useful than the idea of uh the the really sort of user centric view what's what's the difference we're trying to make in the world what we uh, ended up doing is we at some point we started saying look we should we should think of ourselves organizing not just around projects or or products but also around problems, you know what's the problem we're trying to solve right now and that might be a user mm-hmm. problem, but we could use that problem as an organizing principle to uh, cut through the different layers and say what would need to be different here, given the problem that we're trying to solve, and trying to get people all aligned on solving the same problems. But you know, it, with, with the problem that kind of it felt at times like the kind of project team approach uh, that mm. I thought that Fowler would be uh, against, uh, in that we were sort of pulling people together ad hoc. We we didn't have sort of stable product teams that you know just um, owned the whole thing the whole time. I, I was left a, a, a much more um, ambivalent than the previous two items where uh, I felt wholeheartedly I could support what uh, Fowler was saying.
0: Mm. Well, well, you know, and you can tell I'm bursting with one of my ideas again. Um, so it, it uh, you, you know that one of the things that I really like is this notion of feature teams. And a feature team, and we'll link to it in the show notes, is a, a team that is long-lasting but can take on any problem and gels together and, you know, there is some rotation but can can attack any problem. And I sort of see that as the approach that at least I tend to use most and that probably could could bridge this gap because if I've got a feature team, it may get to the state where it, it knows some areas of the system more effectively. And I I'm talking about the whole team knowing that because they're cross-functional and they, they have lots of uh, knowledge and they're self-organizing, so lots of good characteristics that, that a team could have. But the nice thing about a feature team is that you can say, hey, guys, go solve a problem. Go talk to these customers. Go figure out what the problem can be. And you, you, you can work across the whole system. You are, there's no code ownership. So you don't have, um, you know, we're the database team or we're the um, CMS team or something like that. Mm. And if you can get organized that way, I certainly have seen a huge value unlocked by getting feature teams that can jump from problem to problem or... Uh, start with one problem and then discover more about users and go further, which is, the uh, again, why I'm, I'm frustrated with the, the way Fowler phrased it. I could see why he, he only went as far as he did, but uh, the, I'm, I'm really keen for us to talk about users and their problems and iterating iterating and learning from them, and I've certainly seen feature teams be quite successful in being both project-oriented where they need to be and product-oriented where that's more appropriate.
1: One one question here: If you in the feature team that you have in mind, um, where did you typically find? Was there a person who typically acted as a customer proxy or the primary person likely to interview users, or were they was everyone pretty much interchangeable? There usually was someone,
0: when I've seen this successful, there's someone who's a bit more focused in that direction. They often have on a business card the, the words product manager or something like that. But there's it's not uniform, and it's, it's not always that it's one individual uh, who can do that. And the, the best situations are ones where I remember one team that would uh, make videos of its users' actions. I think I might have told this story before, and they would try out a new thing, and they'd it up on the screen for everyone to see and what was fun was the developers would get very involved and start shouting at the screen remember this is a recording so there's, <laughs> there's nobody at the other end this is a video it's it's it you can't change it but they'd shout click on the right it's on the right what do you mean why are you clicking on the left? no it's over there wait you can't find the button i put it in i put it in yesterday go find it so they got very excited and, and involved and interested even if they weren't the ones actually making the recording they were they were involved yes. i've even got one client today Um, I'm so proud of them. I've even just I haven't done anything. I've just shown up and met them. But they they have two people from the business groups that their feature team works with. And those people um, liaise back and forth. So sometimes they're answering customer calls and dealing with the kind of day to day of their teams. And some of the time they're over in the product organization, giving a lot of frontline information. And that's got the developers quite interested as well. Uh, and they're coming over and uh, interacting with the, the team that they're serving. So uh, you can do it lots of different ways.
1: You don't mind, I'm going to challenge you for a bit on something here. And again, I'm you, you're using it in my memory of past uh, podcasts. And in one, I'm pretty sure you talked about, uh, or we talked about, but I'm going to blame you right now, about what was wrong Good. with a feature factory now, mm, so yep. what how is this that feature factories are somehow bad, but feature teams are good? like i don't I don't understand that. Sure, no
0: problem. Well, the, the main difficulty is feature teams don't have the, the world's greatest name. Um, I think the name came about because the idea is that the team can work on any feature. So it means that if somebody requests a feature in the CMS or in the database or um, in, in something that crosses everything, uh, that, that that team can work on it. And a feature factory, of course, is uh, set up where somebody outside the team, the, the project leader, as you were describing earlier, has come up with a specification and is just sending it down on the conveyor belt and the people in the team just take it off the conveyor belt build the next thing and send it off down the line and never understand how it's used whether it's used um it's, there's just fog at, at either end both <laughs> incoming and outgoing they have no idea what happens so i think it's an unfortunate collision of of language that um, a feature factory is very negative because you have no interaction with the features and a feature team is one that can take on and engage with any feature
1: right okay and i want to tie this back to um uh, what we talked about uh, in our last episode for a moment which is we talked about the importance of um technical excellence and one failure mode that i've seen sometimes in in places that where the developers do put a lot of emphasis on technical excellence is they then um use that technical as a reason why they should not be talking To developer or to users rather, Mm. where they say, "Look, this is not me. I'm I'm technically excellent. I'm supposed to. I know everything there is about scaling. I know everything about you know the uh, uh, JavaScript, and I can make it. I can make all the code sing and dance. Um, It's someone else's job to understand users.
0: And there, there's nothing inherently terrible about that. It's just that you're not going to get an awful lot of flexibility and an awful lot of um, the benefits of product or user conversation focused teams from teams that are focused on that kind of that kind of limited technical excellence somebody who's just a a specialist in one area you can set up a team like that there's nothing wrong with having some people who are super at one thing and one thing only, but you shouldn't expect to get things like highly iterative feedback and users, uh, developers shouting at the video saying, "Click on the right." <laughs> you're, 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 there's there's a there's an energy, there's a, a level of engagement and creativity that comes out from that kind of work that you're just not going to get. It, maybe that's a trade-off you want to make in your organization, but you're probably listening to the wrong podcast if that's what the problem you're trying to solve listen to the one that's called troubleshooting my already known project. That's going to last five years. <laughs> that's, that's a that's great. If you find that podcast, because we can't help you, uh, at least I'm not going to be able to help you much with that.
1: Well, it's, it's funny to use the word conversational because in, for people who haven't read it, we, we, we have been talking about Martin Fowler's article uh, and it's definitely worth reading. So it's hopefully you read that as a companion, right? Don't, allow our version to, to think it's a, it, we're, exactly, we're not yes. getting the complete view. Um, for an example, one thing he does talk about, because he is actually talking about the value of user conversations here, he, he, he reminds people that uh, in at Snowbird in 2001, when they were coining the word agile, uh, Kent Beck suggested conversational. So we could have been doing conversational software development and he said, because there should be an ongoing conversation between software developers, business peoples, and uh, anyone involved in making that customer experience better. So this again is a very old idea. And I like how you just described it, which is the sort of energy and excitement that you engage in when you have developers and te- more broadly, team members who are able to interact directly with their users. And this is true not just when you have in-house users. And a lot of people would say, "Well, sure, you can do that if you know if you're in an IT organization, or are users in-house." But uh, you d- can definitely do it with external people as well. And that that video example is one with ex- completely
0: external users. The video was made by bribing people with Amazon. <laughs>
1: That's right. And, and, uh, we've been able to bring in real users, uh, at Tim, we were, you know, people involved in banking and they're able to come in and, and give us time talking about what they liked or didn't like about our software. And we're able to do things like have them you know, vote with virtual currency for features and things like that. And the, the teams, uh, have found it really engaging now, not maybe not everyone. Some people it's, I think what you said is if some people are technically focused, um, that's fine. As long as they're i think you need to have some people or it's or rather need to you would benefit from having some people who are very uh user-centric and care a lot about these conversations with the users if you want to get the value from agile if you mm-hmm. right because it is about trying to learn incrementally we talked a lot about this podcast over the the year that we've been doing it almost now uh, since uh since january We've talked many times about the value of releasing early and learning early and getting feedback early, but that means you're actually talking to the users. It doesn't do any good to deliver a feature, mark it off, check, and then move on and never have that conversation.
0: Uh, It could do you good if you just wanted to complete a list of features that you wanted to take off. But you you shouldn't expect the benefits that Agile claims to to give you. You shouldn't expect things like uh, rapid iteration toward a better solution, user benefits, uh, speed of uh, uh, value to to the business. You might expect other things, but um, you wouldn't expect that. And and I always think of cases like nuclear plants and uh, spaceships and stuff like that. Where where people really don't want to iterate as much. There's there's some value in it, and we can have a long debate. Maybe that's another podcast. <laughs> there there are there are cases where it does make sense to operate in a different way. It's just that's not agile development. You shouldn't be expecting to get the agile development benefits.
1: All right. Well, I think we have our uh, uh, our violent agreement out of way <laughs> out of the way today. Uh, Excellent. And, uh, and uh, so, I think it's worth giving a quick uh, recap to uh, what uh, what Martin said, and kind of where we came out about it uh, across these three episodes. Sure. Um, first, uh, get rid of the idea of the agile industrial complex, and there's only one way to do things. Down with the agile industrial complex. Excellent, I'm, I'm, print, I'm printing t-shirts now. <laughs> so Squirrel and I are squarely on board with, with that. And, and, and really the more important part here is not the industrial complex, but the idea that there's only one right way. Mm-hmm. Um, second was recognize and increase the importance of uh, technical excellence towards getting out the, the value of Agile. That you really need people who care about the technical capabilities and, and keeping their eye on the technical picture. Um, not just the business picture But linking that technical picture To the business value That's right And then third We come out with uh, We could say at the same time It's not just about the technical side And Martin puts it in as Organize around products And I think here You have a very clear recommendation About how you would say it uh, Which is to organize a, More around the users And um, their conversations Sounds about right
0: Yep. Well, if anybody has a different view, we'd sure like to hear it. And uh, you can get in touch with us as usual at troubleshootingagile.com. And you'll find link there for a nice email to us. We sometimes check Twitter, but it's much more likely that we'll see it and get you in, uh, get your comments in and throw your thoughts in faster uh, if you use uh, email over at troubleshootingagile.com. If you'd like to see what we come up with next and which Agile advocate we want to argue with and disagree with in next, uh, next week's episode, best way to do that is to click subscribe on whatever your favorite podcast client is. So you could do that right now. And Jeffrey, I think we'll close there and I'll thank you and uh, expect to see you next week. I'll see you next week. Excellent. Thanks, sir.